Chad and I try to get away twice a year. Um, usually it happens around his birthday, which is at the very first of January. And then the second time usually happens around our anniversary, which is March 27th. Um, it just so happened that five years ago, we weren't able to get it right, right on our anniversary. It usually happens right towards the end of school. And then June is always a super busy month for our family. And so it was, um, <clears throat> it was August 8th that we were finally able to get away to celebrate our anniversary. And we went to Pittsburgh. Uh, it was so amazing. Now, for those of you that would like to turn off the sermon right now because I'm getting ready to talk about the Pirates, don't. Just imagine that it's your favorite team instead of mine. And so we're getting ready to go and see the Pirates play. It was really cool. We love Pittsburgh, the city overall. We went and we visited some historical sites and, and we checked out, so took a walk along the river, went to an old fort, like a, just a really neat old city. But that wasn't the thing we were there for. You see, the, the reason that we had gone to Pittsburgh at that exact time is because something huge was taking place. In 2015, the Pirates were playing really, really well. And it was a whole lot of fun to watch them play. The team was maybe one of my favorite teams of all times for the Pirates. It, it was such a great group of guys to watch play. And so Chad and I got, got dressed up in our, in our Pirates garb. I would have worn it this morning, but I didn't want to distract you from Jesus. So we got dressed up in our Pirates garb, and we are getting ready to go. Now, we were living in high expectation you see, Clayton Kershaw, who's now a three-time Cy Young winner, was pitching for the Dodgers. And Garrett Cole, who's now the highest paid pitcher in Major League history at $324 million, these two guys were going head-to-head -head that day. It was such an exciting day. We're, we're walking through the city of Pittsburgh, and we can see PNC Park across the river. And we're walking up towards to cross the bridge when all of a sudden a guy walks up to us, and he hands us a pair of tickets and says, here, have an upgrade. Now, we'd already paid to be able to have really good seats. Um, we were going to sit right on the third base line, which is, which is phenomenal. And so when he hands me the tickets, at first I'm a little bit hesitant because I'm going, man, we already had really good tickets. And I look down. And they say, Lexus Luxury Box, Section 17, Row H. Well, I don't know where the Lexus Luxury Box is, but I am determined to find out. We get to, we get to PNC Park, and we look all over the place and finally find kind of this hidden sub-entrance into the park. And we go in, and we find our seats, and we are literally eight rows behind home plate. Every single time a foul ball is hit, you jump in your seat because you're afraid it's going to come through the netting at you. It was an amazing experience being able to go back. I, I remember that there were, uh, you could go and eat anything that you wanted. And so we went down and they had a candy bar and I think I ate my weight in Swedish fish. There are a lot of things that I remember about that game. One is that Kershaw had just gone 37 innings scoreless. The guy was a, a master pitcher, and, and we sit in our seats as the first pitch comes out of his hand and gets ready to cross the plate. Polanco swings with all his might, and the ball goes from being over the plate out into the stands, and everyone erupts with cheers, 
what an exciting opening to this game. And there were lots of people around us. I remember seeing different people of, of all kinds. I, I, I knew there were some Dodgers fans there, but they kind of were, were hiding up in the stands. If you've ever been to Pittsburgh ever for a game, you know that Pittsburgh rules their stadiums. And so there's a, there's a handful of, of Dodgers fans that are sitting out there that you can kind of spot here and there that are booing the Pirates. There was a, there was a guy in a pink polo shirt, a hot pink polo shirt. He sat a few rows up from us on the right-hand side, and, and I am guessing that this guy probably owned the seats that he was sitting in, dropping fifteen dollars to $17,000 a year to be able to sit in those seats every single game. He was overindulging in alcohol, and, and he was half interested in the game, half, you know, half looking on his phone, and then towards the end of the game, when we go into extra innings, he has the audacity to get up and walk out. Down on the left-hand side, just, just as you were getting ready to, to get into kind of the regular seating from the luxury seating, there was a lady that was sitting there with a blonde ponytail piled high on her head, and she had put it out the back of her baseball cap wearing sunglasses and spent the entire game looking at her phone. She's looking down. I don't know if she was playing games, taking selfies, because uh, she's close enough there that she can, she can see the pirates up close and personal. I, I'm not sure that she wanted to even be there. It may have been that she was made to come or that she came because her husband wanted to, or who knows. But she wasn't exceptionally interested in the things that were taking place at the game, except to maybe be able to post on social media that she was there at that time. Some of my favorite people to watch at games are people with kids. And over right behind the Pirates dugout is a dad with a baseball cap on and a son with a baseball glove that's a little too big for his hand. And they're just waiting. They're waiting for the next foul ball to be hit and caught and thrown into the stands for one of the kids to be able to catch. I can imagine what the dad was saying to his kid, uh, talking about the Pirates, talking about their stats, how exciting this game was for them to be able to be there. I'll never forget that game. I'll never forget that day. We've been to several Pirates games, but that by far was my favorite. The excitement, the buzz in the air, winning in extra innings. It was phenomenal. The environment was electric. I'll never, ever forget it. The story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is important enough that it makes it into all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all four of the stories are pretty similar. Today I'm looking from, uh, from Matthew's perspective in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus' triumphal entry. I think it's interesting as I was looking through this, through this passage and, and studying up for today, uh, I saw that the heading of this section was, um, was the salvation of Christ. That Christ came to save his people. This story is at the beginning of a week of stories that all lead us to the cross. And eventually to an empty grave. 
the salvation of Jesus. You see, Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, and they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead of him. He said, go into the village over there, and as soon as you enter, you're going to see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say to them, the Lord needs them. I don't know if that was code or it, who knows, but for whatever reason, the, the disciples do exactly what Jesus says. Matthew tells us that this took place to fulfill the prophecy, prophecy from Zechariah that says, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on the donkey's colt. And the two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him. They threw their garments over the colt, and Jesus sat upon it. Now the crowd, the crowd. There are half a million people that have come to Jerusalem for the Passover. The Passover, one of the biggest feasts, festivals of the Jewish tradition. They've come there for this specific time, for this specific event. And the environment is electric. Imagine all of the people that are traveling the same road as Jesus to go into the city to celebrate the Passover. The crowd is there. And the rumors have begun to circulate that Jesus might be there too. I can imagine as the crowds are watching and they're, and they're looking out and they see Jesus coming. He's coming in on a, on a simple, humble donkey. Doesn't seem like much of a vessel for a king. Jesus is coming in and, and the people are standing. They've, they've put on their I Love Jesus t-shirts. They got their palm branches out. Their cloaks are ready. As Jesus is coming in, they're laying them on the ground and they're waving palm branches and they're cheering him on. Hosanna! Hosanna! Lord, save us. That's what Hosanna means. The expectation of the people was pretty clear. They had come to see Jesus win the game. They had come to see Jesus win their salvation, win their freedom. Save us, Jesus. The people in the crowd begin to, begin to talk to one another and whisper. I can imagine that there's a, a, a guy there in a, in a pink polo kind of half paying attention to Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. I've seen Jesus before. It's cool. Yeah, I know him. I know him. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Overindulging in, in the spiritual realm, thinking he's got it taken care of. This isn't anything necessarily exciting or new for him. I mean, really, it's just, it's just Jesus, another teacher, another rabbi, another game. You see a lady over off in the corner. She got her hair all done up. She's got her T-shirt on, her sunglasses, and she's watching for Jesus to come. She's like, oh, my goodness, I totally have to Instagram this one. The popularity of Jesus is bubbling up, and she's going to take full advantage of that. can imagine dads in the crowd 
pulling their sons and their daughters next to them. Parents whispering to their children, did you see him? Do you, do you see that Jesus? Oh, let me tell you about Jesus. You see, it was not too long ago, actually just, just a few days, that he raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was dead. Jesus brought him back. And do you remember, do you remember your aunt telling you about that time that she was out and, and there was no food and they were listening to Jesus and all of a sudden he took loaves and fish and he broke them apart and he fed everybody. There were like 5,000 people there. Jesus did that. Have you heard about the guy who was chained up in the cemetery, possessed by demons, and Jesus freed him? The blind man who saw the storms that were calmed. That's him. That's the Jesus that we've been talking about. It says that the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this that they asked? The crowd replied, it is Jesus, a prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. It's really easy for us to get excited about stuff. I get really excited about things. I'm excited to be with you even though I can't see you right now. I'm excited to be in a room with Matt and Miranda. I'm excited to be able to wave out in the parking lot for a handful of people who showed up and are, and are watching from the sidelines today. I, I am just excited that it is Palm Sunday. I think of last year when we praised and we worshiped and we baptized and our kids sang. And I am excited that Jesus is among us, that he is with us. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem, there were, you know, there were a couple Dodgers fans sitting out there. <laughs> there, were, there were some religious guys that were just waiting because they knew that a crowd who can celebrate hard can also be fickle. Man, I tell you, it, it's pretty bad at Pirates games. It's even worse at Steelers games. Man, the Pittsburgh people will boo their own guys. They will. If you don't show up to the game and you don't play your best, we will boo you even though you're ours. The Dodgers fans are sitting out in the stadium. The religious guys are watching Jesus, and they know this isn't the right time. It's not the right time to bring Jesus to his knees. It's not the right time to nail Jesus to a cross. We're going to wait it out because we know the crowd is fickle. And they do. See, the same crowd that's taking selfies and celebrating Jesus and laying down palm branches and cloaks before him and declaring that he is the Messiah and he is the king, that same crowd, only a few days later, are yelling the words, crucify him. Same people. The disciples who are with Jesus, leading this parade of celebration, are hiding in their homes or lying to servant girls around fire pits. The whole environment changes this week. Why? Because we can be fickle. Let's just admit it. When things are going really well, it's really easy for us to go, Yay, Jesus! I serve the Jesus who saved me. I serve the Jesus who healed me. I serve the Jesus of the New Testament who loved and bestowed grace, who encouraged my soul, who gave me hope when I was feeling hopeless. That's the Jesus that I serve. But as soon as things start to get bleak and the voices around us start to declare that things are hopeless, 
soon as we are, are locked in our homes for weeks on end, not able to be with people that we love, our hearts become discouraged. Are we, are we so easily turned away from praise and worship to bellowing and griping and complaining to God? Are we, are we cheering for a God who is a God in the good times and in the bad times? Are we using our voices to proclaim the Messiah? Are we using our abilities to use technology to, to complain to others? To gripe? To post negativity for everyone to see? Or are we a people who are praising God in the storm? Are we a people who yell, crucify him? Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You may find yourself in many of these positions. Hey, you could easily be the dude in the pink polo who's been coming to church forever. Like you own the seats in there. We could just pin your face to the chair and it would feel like you're with us. You've, you've been loving the Lord for a, a, a long time, but everything is just kind of blasé. Whatever, yeah, I know, it's Jesus, it's fine. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, it's cool. Oh, well, maybe, maybe you're the gal with the ball cap and the ponytail and the sunglasses and the Instagram, and, and you're just really excited to show other people how much you love Jesus. Look, I love Jesus today, there he is. But as soon as... as it's over. You, in all honesty, you just were never really part of the game. You were never really participating. You're not spending time in the Word. You're not kneeling at the feet of Jesus. You really want to just hang out with Jesus when it looks good for you. Man, that's harsh. It's okay. You can just turn me off. <laughs> oh, maybe you're that parent. Maybe you're a parent who's who has loved Jesus or Jesus has transformed your life and you're in a position now where you get to help disciple your children more than ever because you're home with them all the time, good, bad, or indifferent. Going crazy, it's all right. I hear melatonin is selling out by the handfuls at the store. And, um, <laughs> you're, you've got this opportunity to love and minister and disciple your children and teach them about Jesus. Are you going to use this time right now to do that? Are you going to be that kind of parent? You know, we, we stand here in this monumental place, a place in history that hopefully our children will never be again. Hopefully we will never be again. Are we going to use this time to celebrate our God to give him praise, to dig into his word, to be praying, to be discipling? Are we going to use this time for the benefit of God's glory? Are we going to allow ourselves to fall into the same old habits? Be mediocre and lukewarm? Or even worse, be the crowd that Christ crucified? Heavenly Father, as we prepare our hearts to, to worship you with one more song today, we ask that you will move in our hearts. I can see myself. 
I can see myself in the, in the guy in the pink polo, in the, in the chick with the sunglasses. I can see myself in the, the dad with the son. I see a little bit of me in each of those people. But really, what I, what I want to be, God, is a full-out, sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. On the celebratory days, whenever he shows up and I'm laying down palm branches on the, in the moments where it looks bleak, like the moments that he's on the cross. Jesus, help us to see you. Help us to find you in every moment of every day. Help us to celebrate you, oh God, a God of amazing love, of power, of might, and of grace. And we pray these things in your name today. Amen. As you can continue to consider these things and as the worship band comes back up, let's do one more song together, really celebrating our Lord on this beautiful Palm Sunday. All right, say it with me today. Hosanna. You got it? You guys can say it in here. We'll do it so I don't pretend like I'm talking to myself. Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. May you be blessed. May you experience God's joy today. May you celebrate Hosanna. God is with us. We'll see you soon. Mission accomplished. Usually in the